ancestors, they lived on farms. Well, they lived on butter. They lived on lard. They lived on red meats. They lived on all of these foods that we've been told are bad for us. Did they have heart disease? Well, it was so rare. Myocardial infarction didn't even enter medical colleges in the United States till about 1910, 1912. Resetters, Dr. Mindy here, and I am on a mission to teach you just how powerful your body was built to be. This podcast is about giving you the power back and helping you believe in yourself again. Let's jump in. Hey, Resetters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. I think one of the things that unites so many of us that are in the functional health world is that people are sicker than ever. And they're not just coming in with one symptom, they're coming in with like 20 symptoms. And, uh, you know, I've been in practice 25 years. You've been in practice longer than that. How long you been in? 38 years. 38 years. Yep. So I want to start with what have you seen in the condition of the human body in the last 38 years? What has changed? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I talk about all the time because I used to actually, my brother and I owned a Gold's Gym in our hometown for about 10 years. People familiar with that, it's a national chain, Gold's Gym, right? And we would have people that would come in uh, that 
that was about the time when women started to get more involved with weightlifting. And they would come in and just as a simple example of how things have changed, it was easy if a woman came to us and they wanted to lose weight. This was back in, in the mid eighties. You would clean up their diet. You would put them on an exercise program and then voila, you would have weight loss. You had to put some leg warmers on her too. You had to put some leg warmers (laughs) on her and a headband. I, yeah, I grew up in the eighties. The big hair. Yeah. Yeah, The big hair was a must. Anyway, um, it was predictable. And then something happened and it was in the nineties and it was more towards mid to late nineties where you would have the same situations with minimal to no results. And I remember specifically actually talking to Dan Pompa at that time saying something's different. Like you you can't, they're, they're not losing weight the way that they used to right? They got into this thing we know today is weight loss resistance. And it's really, and this inability to lose weight is just this sign of something really bad happening inside. It's just not a nuisance. Like, oh, I can't lose weight. It's telling you something that you've got deeper issues going on. And I I equate it really to, to back then I was saying, I think we are seeing like this tsunami that is coming ashore and we're just seeing the beginning waves of it. And as you know, we've gotten into it more now, we're seeing more of what you're describing where people are coming in with multiple issues, you know, going on foods, I mean, different environmental sensitivities, all of these issues that really were something that were, was more rare is, is becoming more and more common today. And I just think it's a reflection of really how sick we are really down at that cell level. Yeah. What's yeah. happening. What And, you know, I think for those of us that are in the functional health world, we see it so clearly. But when I stand in my functional health mind and I look at the, the what somebody's doing every single day, I feel like the human race hasn't really identified yet that there has been a change in stressors, that we are sicker than ever before. I feel like the common person isn't seeing that. So help us understand how do we help people see that that their their toxic stress, physical, emotional, chemical is way worse than even a decade ago. And what are those stressors? Yeah, you know, I would even take it a step further, Mindy, and, and say that even in in the natural health world, you know, what I did for a lot of years was I was always talking about getting to the cause as a chiropractor, right? Yeah. Not realizing that a lot of what I was doing, especially nutritionally, was just more of the same, treating symptoms. I was using yep. supplements to do what the medical doctors were doing, but really not recognizing that, you know, and I see this today with a lot of natural health doctors, they're still skirting around that whole thing. You know, what can I take for this? What can I take for that? Instead of understanding what's causing that. And that's the big missing link. And, you know, that's our, that's our mission, right? Is we're trying to get people to understand that unless you're dealing with real root causes, Yes. Then all at best, all you're doing is treating symptoms. Yes. And the, honestly, for my almost four decades of doing this, that is pretty much a dead end street. You can Amen. help people. You can help them feel a little bit better. And yeah, it's way better to use natural things versus pharmaceuticals. 
most of the time, but it's, it's still, you're still missing that big thing, which is the cause and the cause today. You asked that question. I I believe we're living in a time like no other. We're exposed to chemicals in a way that like, I I was just, I, I use this on my welcome call with my clients where I talk about the environmental working group looked at American females, right? Mm-hmm. And they found in their beauty products alone, just in their beauty products, they're exposed on average to 168 different toxins, yep. just in the beauty products. And you gals are like head to toe type stuff, right? Yep. Yep. Head to toe, day after day, week after week, month, year, it goes on. And that's just the beauty products. Yes. That's, not, that's not the cleaning products, not the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat, the medications you're taking, all the plastic chemicals, which are uh, in a whole class by themselves in terms of how endemic they are in our society. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is what we're talking about here, this onslaught, this yes. time that we're living in like, like no other generation before us. Yeah. Yeah. I always say we are living in the most toxic time in human history. And the sooner we identify that and try to minimize the toxins coming into our body, the better our body can heal. And what I love and what unites you and me and Pampa is that our training, our chiropractic training really gave us a vision to be able to see that the body heals itself. It is, you are living in this perfect piece of machinery. You just have to remove the interferences and your beauty products are interfering. EMFs are, I mean, there's so many interferences that are bringing down the body's ability to heal. Yeah. And I, I, I love that because when we talk about that, that God-given capacity towards health, right? Yeah. They call it, they call it, uh, scientists call it homeostasis. It's the ace in the hole. Without it, we're doomed. Yes. Right? You, because you have this in you. you have, if, I always use the example, Mindy, if, if I were to nick somebody with a knife, instantly their body starts the process of healing that cut. They go out in 100 degree temperature, they start to sweat. Freezing temperature, they start to shiver. The doctor can set the bone. It's the body that heals the bone, right? Yes. And that's, that's the ace in the hole. And yes. with that working with us, and people may... They may not even, they may be so sick that they don't recognize that their body is feverishly attempting to fix their problem. We need to do what you just said. We need to remove those roadblocks. We need to create an environment in the body that is supportive of healing, cellular healing. It's an anti-inflammatory environment, right? Where all the things we're doing in our lives as typical Americans, we're driving inflammation. We're driving cell damage. But there is that thing that's the opposite. You can create an environment that's supportive of healing. And because you have a body designed to heal, that's what you should expect. Yes. Yes. And we, but nobody's been taught this. I actually, so um, I'm in the process of writing a fasting book for women. And I, first two chapters, the second chapter, I really was mapping out for uh, women how when you're in the womb, there is a total trust that that baby is going to grow and all the fingers are going to get put in the in the right place and the eyes and the head. The mom doesn't sit around and say, oh, wait, hold on. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. step out of this work yeah. meeting so I could go grow my help my baby grow an arm. That doesn't happen. Right. But the minute we come out of the womb, distrust and fear starts. And yeah. 
in the womb were powerful and out of the womb were not powerful. And so the conditioning starts on day one as we are taught, you know, keep your baby inside. If your baby has a fever, you want to bring the fever down. Don't let your baby get too near people who have a cold. We get taught outside in health from day one. Yeah. But we were created inside out. Right. I am stealing that from you. That is really, (laughs) that's powerful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's help people understand what one of the things I want to do with this conversation is, okay, if we know that our body is a self-healing piece of equipment here, what do we need to look at when we look at cholesterol, when we look at thyroid, when we look at autoimmune? Um, I love how you started this off that we often move from medication to supplements. We go from conventional medicine to alternative medicine, but we're still not getting to the root cause. So let's get to the root cause of some of these things that uh, my audience might be dealing with and help them see a different perspective. And I'm going to start with cholesterol since you said that was your favorite one. Yeah, it is. It's, It's the one thing that sets me off, I think, more than anything, because, you know, our ancestors if we really think about it, right? Not that long ago, even they lived on farms and they ate all of the food that we've been told is taboo today. All of the Mm -hmm. food that's supposedly creating, you know, weight issues, heart problems, you know, high cholesterol, whatever it is. Well, they lived on butter. They lived on lard. They lived on red meats. They lived on all of these foods that we've been told are bad for us. Did they have heart disease? Well, it was so rare that myocardial infarction didn't even enter medical colleges in the United States till about 1910, 1912. And if we're looking at even diseases like cancer, because they're saying today that a high fat diet, it contributes to the development of cancer. Well, in 1900, three out of every 100 Americans could expect to develop cancer. It's like 49 out of 100 today. And yet we've cut fat consumption over the last 50 years, like 30%. But as as a nation, we have more obesity, we have more heart disease, we have more cancer. It's not helping. In fact, I believe that it's hurting because you have to make that distinction between bad fats and good fats, right? Man-made tainted prostituted fats that, yeah, when they get in our body, they do all the bad things, the hydrogenated oils, the trans fats, the vegetable oil, the canola oil, right? The corn oil, these things are driving the bad things, the cell inflammation and the damage. And they're causing these things that we're so worried about. But on the other side of the coin, when our ancestors ate foods that were natural, these healthier fats, they not only were not harming themselves, they were preventing disease. And that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to tell people. Look at the, look at our brain, 70% fat, 25% yeah. of all the cholesterol in our body is stored in our, in our brain, in our little brain, right? 2% of our body weight, that's where 25% Crazy. of the cholesterol, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Our, ner- our nerve coverings, 80% fat, our cell membrane that's damaged, it's called a bilipid layer. It's made of two layers of fat. You can't you can't, um, you can't manufacture and utilize vitamin D. There's so many people listening that are low in vitamin D without adequate levels of healthy fat. Hormones are made from fat. Yep. So, we, we, so this idea that cholesterol is the boogeyman, when I graduated, Mindy, can you believe that in 1984, when I graduated, anything under 300 
cholesterol level was considered to be good to go. Anything under 300. Then they lowered it to 250. And in the process, they put how many people on cholesterol-lowering medications. And then they decided, well, it needs to be down to 200. And they put millions of more people on cholesterol-lowering medications. And now there even there's a lot of doctors that are try, trying to drive it down to 150. And all of that effort with all of these medications, what difference has it made in heart attacks and strokes? Zero. It's made no difference wow. whatsoever. But there's over 900 studies showing the damaging effects of these statin drugs in our bodies, yep. right? And they and, and people are they're they're not even. I think a lot of times we get like you're talking about, Mindy. We get so conditioned that they're not even thinking. Why is it that I have to go in and get a blood test every three months when I'm on these statin drugs? Because they're so dangerous. Yes. They, yes. they literally go into the liver and shut off the liver's ability to manufacture cholesterol. Well, that is potentially damaging to the liver. So they have to go back and check their liver enzymes to make sure that they're, does that even sound healthy to anybody? Yeah. Like right. It's, we've just gotten so far off track with this whole cholesterol thing. Yeah. So when let's, let's say I go into my trusted medical doctor, I love him or her. I feel like they have my best interest in mind. They run my annual blood test. They see that my total cholesterol is high. They prescribe me a statin. What am I to do at that moment? Because I trust my medical doctor. Uh, is there, are there questions I can ask? Are there other labs I can run? How do I open that conversation up so that I can have my doctor working with me? Or am I living in a, a world of of uh, Pollyanna world where I want all doctors to work together. How do we unite this? Yeah, what a, that, is that not the question of the ages? I will say this, though, that in my time, I have seen a, a distinct shift. Yeah. And there, there's more medical doctors that are open to this idea that there are some natural things that can be investigated first. I have seen that. But by and large, you know, patients, are, they're going to be up against it because the doctor has been taught one thing. And then, you know, there are people like us telling them another thing. Yeah. And so what I, what I do is I recommend in that particular case, I, I recommend a book, for instance, um, by Dr. Stephen Sinatra called The Great Cholesterol Myth. And this is a heart surgeon, right? Yeah. So he's, they're coming from that perspective so that you can use that type of information as ammunition, if you will, I would just, if I, if, if it was me, I would be wanting to go in and I would want the proof. And I'm going to be like, doc, can you show me any study that's not from a pharmaceutical company mm. that's selling the drug? Show me any study that supports the idea that somebody who hasn't had a previous heart attack, for instance, right, yep. is going to benefit longevity wise from taking this statin. And then there's all kinds of studies out there that will show you the damaging effects of taking this, what they would call the side effects. I went to school. I learned about the law of cause and effect. Yeah. It wasn't cause effect and side effect. That's right. just, that's just right. a less serious sounding way of understanding what happens when you take a known toxin into your body every day for the rest of your life. Yes. Right. There's going right. to potentially be a price to pay for that. The side effect, 
or it's really the effect of taking that toxin in. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It, it's such a dilemma. Dilemma. I'm sure you see it all the time. Oh yeah. And and people are so frustrated. And they get so they get so afraid and naturally understanding. They don't want to lose their doctor. Like you yeah. said, they like their doctor. But a lot of these people are there. They get offended. They get offended yeah. when you are going to challenge. It's your body, though, right? It's yeah. it's our body. We have to have the right to go into that with this notion that look, this is my health. And I need to do what's right for me. Right. And, and yeah. look at both sides of that coin. And just so people are up to speed on science, like studies themselves, just, it can, I don't know if we have a percentage, but I want to make sure that people don't miss that, that pharmaceutical companies back studies. Yeah. And do you know what the percentage of studies are? Or I, I don't. I know it's extremely high that yeah. most of the studies that are out there are funded by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. I remember years ago, like 25 years ago, I was living in LA and the LA times came out with a like four page article, like no ads, just purely an article about the pressure that the researchers feel when they are, when they get this funding from pharmaceuticals, they feel pressure to have to pass the drug because yeah. the whole study was funded by the by big pharma. Yeah. And I remember this was 25 years ago. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to help people see what is behind some of this research. And here we are 25 years later. And that that piece of science being backed by big pharma and the pressure on the researchers to show a specific thing, nobody, it just doesn't get talked about enough. It really doesn't get talked about. And you, you just, all, all a person really needs to do is maybe just even for a day, pay attention to the amount of commercials that are on television that have to do with medications, right? Yeah. And we are bombarded. That's my point. We're bombarded by this industry that is super powerful. And, you know, they hold a lot of sway when it comes to the laws that are written and, um, and I, and I think it's, it's, it's just borne out with the fact that it, what we are, if anyone can look and say that what we are doing is working, then I'll shut right. up yes. Then I'll shut up. But we are the sickest nation that's ever existed. And it's we're I, I heard this and I don't, I don't know exactly if it's 100% accurate. People can check this out, but I know it's close to this. And that is that the United States comprises about 4.7% of the world's population. We consume over 50% of all the world's medications. I've heard that. Yes. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, and, and where are we? Where do we rank health-wise for anyone listening? You would think that with our technology, right, with the great doctors we have, and we do have great doctors, and with the great nurses that we have, and we have great nurses, you would think that we would be up near the top. Well, we're not. When it comes to life expectancy, even we're in the middle of the pack. Yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to, the amount of diseases per capita, we're the worst. We have more diseases per capita than any other nation in the world. And yeah. it's not getting better, it's getting worse because what we're doing is not working. The yeah. approach that we have, this idea, like you're saying, that it's gonna be outside in. We're gonna get something, whenever something bad happens to us, we're gonna find some pill, powder, potion, and lotion that we're gonna stick in us or on us that somehow is gonna address the reason why we're sick. Yes. You know, why, why can't Mary lose weight? Why is her hair falling out? Why does she have joint problems, skin problems, gut problems? If you're not asking that question, if the doctor is not asking that question, why? And let me yeah. tell the, the, your listeners, and they know this already, 
there has never been a headache caused because you lacked aspirin. There's never been a case of high cholesterol because you didn't have enough statin drugs in your body. There is a time and a place. Yeah. I'm not saying that people's lives have not been saved because of medications, but how many people are dead because of medication? How many, how much health is being destroyed because yes. we're not looking at the real underlying issues, the causes of why they're sick. Yeah. And it, it, it never boils down to a lack of medication. No, no. And I, I want to point out, well said, and I want to point out that emergency medicine in our, in our mm. country is amazing. We're talking about chronic disease. So if it's helpful for you guys, as you're listening to this, just to separate those two yeah. out. If Big I'm time. in a car accident, take me to the ER. I want right. to, that's where I should be. But if I have a chronic condition and I get put on a medication, I didn't solve the problem. The doctor didn't solve the problem. So right. to your yeah, point. That, that, and we do make that distinction. Like I have a, my, my youngest son, he's a grown man today, but when he was seven years old, he was playing at his friend's house and, and they were stupidly playing on top of this dog cage that contained a Rottweiler and they fell into the cage and my son got mauled by this Rottweiler. Right. Mm. And what the doctors were able to do this, these emergency first aid type of situation, it is near miraculous. Mm. And we, ha we, we do have the best doctors and we, we have the best system in the world when it comes to emergency care. But when it comes to the treatment of chronic degenerative conditions, which unfortunately most Americans are going to suffer from and die from, it's yeah. a different story. It's yeah. a different story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a Rottweiler lover. So I just want to point out that it wasn't, the, it wasn't the Rottweiler that was the problem. It was the owner, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, well, we, 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 we love, we love Rottweilers too. <laughs> so, okay. So before I leave the cholesterol issue, I just want to point out, do you, how much do you think statins are contributing to Alzheimer's? Do you feel oh. like when we shut cholesterol production down in the body, it's contributing to dementia and Alzheimer's? I do. And, I, and, and there's, there's, emerging, there's emerging science right now that, that's showing that, right? That this, the, the people in, you could go even beyond that. It's, it's that you'll see commercials where an attorney will come on and say, if you're a female and you have type two diabetes and you're taking a statin drug, call my office because there's evidence out there that it's affecting and contributing to the development of type two diabetes. But I said earlier that 25% of all the cholesterol is stored in our brain and that there's a reason for that. Our brain needs cholesterol yeah. to be healthy. And when yeah. we just willy nilly go into the body and say, no, we're going to turn that off in you. Well, of course, I mean, just on the surface, it has to make sense that this rise that we're seeing, right? Alzheimer's, a disease that 120 years ago essentially did not exist. Yep. It didn't exist. And the first cases for many, for decades afterwards, were, were women in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. It was rare. But yeah. what we're seeing today, it's one, one of our fastest growing diseases. I do believe that it's because of the things that we're doing inside of our body that's creating an environment that allows these type of degenerative conditions to develop. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, let's move on to autoimmune conditions because this is another one that's on the rise. I think they say that like that the actual statistic is like 95% of Americans have an autoimmune condition and many of them are, go undiagnosed. My experience has been it's almost 100% now. So what what's the root issue behind, I know 
autoimmunity can show up in different areas, but what is that root cause that we need to address with autoimmune conditions? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. But can I say, Mindy, that, and I know you know this, that if you develop one autoimmune disease, the chances that you'll develop a second autoimmune disease is like 70%. Yeah, absolutely. And then yes. if you, the chances that you'll develop a third autoimmune disease is like 50%. So what is that telling us right off the bat, like as thinking adult humans, right? What should we be understanding from that? I think it's, it's this notion that we've created an environment inside of us that is conducive to the development of an autoimmune disease, right? It's not so much the autoimmune disease, it's the condition inside of us that allows that to, to we're fostering that. In other right. words, right? And what we are seeing is, and what I believe is so true, and we've seen this time after time, is that first of all, you have to look at a leaky gut. You have to understand that if you give me somebody with autoimmunity, I'm going to show you somebody with a leaky gut. They they have a damaged gut lining. And now instead of that gut lining keeping things in that should be in and keeping things out that shouldn't be getting in, they become like a sieve where they're just like a river. They're pouring things into the bloodstream that's creating a chronic inflammation response throughout the body. In the case of thyroid, a lot of the undigested protein from the foods we're consuming that's escaping into the bloodstream, very similar to the proteins that make up our thyroid. Yeah. And one of the theories is that your body over time just goes haywire. It begins looking at those similar proteins as being something foreign. Yeah. And then when you throw in toxins to the mix, right, which now toxins that, that being fat soluble, most of them, meaning they're going to be attracted to areas in the body that are composed of fat, that cell that I mentioned has that bilipid layer. Mm -hmm. So your thyroid cells now, those toxins are going to potentially get lodged into that cell membrane. Now it creates a completely different structure to the body, your body's recognizing yep. it as something different. And then you wind up with this attack, which yep. we know, we know is Hashimoto's, right? But yep. what set the stage for that? A leaky gut that allowed this chronic inflammation state to, 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 to take place. And then these toxins, which are creating entirely different uh, cells in terms of how the body's perceiving them. And it begins this attack to try to destroy them. Yeah. How would somebody know if they had a leaky gut other than a condition? Is there, what's, do you have a favorite way to test a leaky gut? Are there symptoms that would give people an indication that they have one? Yeah. You know, I go back to what Hippocrates, who's the, we're talking about medicine, right? Yeah. The father of modern medicine. Everyone's heard of the Hippocratic oath yep. the medical yep. doctors take when they become, when, after they graduate. Right. And uh, he said over 2000 years ago that he believed that all disease begins in the gut. Yep. I, Mindy, I used to laugh at that. I used to think that's ridiculous. Like, like how could every disease have to do with a gut? Well, almost four decades of doing this. And I've had the, I've had the good fortune of working with over 28,000 clients to date. I can tell you that there is an area condition that a person has that doesn't have some basis in an unhealthy gut. Yep. And the, the symptoms are going to be, I mean, look up a list of symptoms uh, associated with leaky gut. It's just going to be as long as our arms. Yeah. Right. It, so yep. it, it pretty much when I see somebody who's not well, 
And it can be overt gut symptoms for sure, right? But there are other things like even brain symptoms. We know that the brain and the gut are connected by the longest nerve in our body called the vagus nerve. And people can understand this connection when they think of like, if I would tell them to, you need to, you know, like instantaneously, you need to go talk to a thousand people, give them a, give them a speech, right? Everyone's going to be like nervous, right? Where do you feel that at? You feel that in your gut. Your gut. Yeah, you might yeah. get diarrhea, you get butterflies, whatever it might be. Well, it works in reverse too, mm. right? So that when we have an unhealthy gut, it can affect our brain. And we're seeing that so much today, but I don't care where you're talking about in the human body. My first thought is automatically, if I see somebody who's not well, somebody who can't get well, they try to change their diet. They, they, they take all the supplements, every, every protocol that you can think of, and they're still not well. It usually boils down to the fact that they've not sealed that gut back up again. They've yeah. not fixed well that said. leaky gut. Yeah. 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 Well said. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off and you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Okay, what's what else with autoimmunity? So if I, and it, you guys, as you're listening to this, this is everything from Hashimoto's to RA to lupus to psoriasis. These are di t diabetes type one is an autoimmune condition. I mean, the, the list is long. So if you have one of those or you want to prevent one of those, we what I'm hearing from you, Bill, is first and foremost, let's get a healthy gut. Yeah. What, what's next? Well, we talk, what we try to teach our autoimmune patients is essentially what Dan Pompa talks about, which is that stool analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have, you're going to basically find somebody who might have a genetic weakness. They have these genetic tendencies, weak genes, whatever, however you want to describe it. And then there's going to be some kind of a trigger mm -hmm. that is going to trigger a leaky gut's going to be one of them. But then you're going to find things like I mentioned earlier, it could be toxins, it could be a bad diet, it could be stress in a person's life, it could be a person who never sleeps well, right? These are the triggers that we see that will turn on these bad genes. The leaky gut is that 
what I, I kind of separate that is a separate thing because it's so endemic in our society. Yep, and yep. It's, it's just that three-legged stool. You have the weak genes that are being turned on by whatever triggers that person has in their life. That's what they need to identify. What are these triggers? And then fixing that leaky gut. And what we see is when we deal with it from that perspective, in other words, we detoxify somebody, for instance, right, at the cellular level. And then we work on fixing that leaky gut. Inevitably, you mentioned Hashimoto's. We see those antibodies start to go yeah. down in the blood. Yeah. You know, at, at what I mean, we don't have I don't have a clinical double blind study that can prove this, but at what point do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of clients or patients anecdotal evidence? At what point does that carry the weight that yeah. we need to know that there's something to this? Yes. Yes. You know what? I, one of my favorite case studies over the last couple of years was actually done with Hashimoto's and my sister, which as you, you, you have a whole family involved in healthcare. You typically don't try to help your own personal family. That could go awry very, very yes, fast. Yes. Um, but she, she, nobody was helping her. And so we finally got a, a doctor that was willing to run blood tests on her pretty periodically, like every three months. And we started to fix her gut. We started detox metals. Every single one of her thyroid markers cleared up and we saw those antibodies go down, 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 down as we pulled the toxins out and cleaned her gut up to your point. So yeah. it was, we like micromanaged it with blood work and we could just see over time, took us about a year, a little bit longer. We could see the whole thing resolve. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's predictable. I mean, if yeah. you, you know, you, a lot of these thyroid patients, they're mostly women, right? And they're, they go to their doctor and the doctor's like, well, your thyroid numbers are, there's two types. They go to with all the symptoms and the doctor says, nope, your TSH test, which is supposed to be this gold standard test to determine whether they have a thyroid problem is normal. And yep. the person's like, well, why don't I feel normal? Right. And then you'll find the other half of the the equation where they go in and the doctor finds out that their TSH is high and then you, well, you have hypothyroid by definition, that means you don't have enough thyroid medication. So let's put you on thyroid medication, Synthroid, Levothyroxine. And then the person goes back for a blood test and the, and the doctor's like super happy. Your TSH now looks great. Now the person's in the same boat is the person who went in with the TSH quote normal with all the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, well, why don't I feel great? I still have all of the symptoms. My hair is still falling out. I can't lose weight. I've got whatever it might be with thyroid. That that's a long list too. So here you have this situation where the primary problem, and I've, I've heard that it's over 90% of people who have hypothyroid disease actually have this underlying autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. where we're talking about the cause, right? You yep. can give them the medication. You can change their number, right? The medication's in the blood. It's going to change the number. If that medication can't get into the cells to do the magic, because you have an immune system that is so haywire that you're creating chronic inflammation and an attack on those cells, they're chronically inflamed. It's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. What does itis mean? It means inflammation. Yeah. So you have this, this situation where the now you're taking the medication, you can't even get into the cells 
to do the job and the person doesn't feel better, but the test looks better. And I think that's the frustration with a lot of this. We're talking about getting to that cause. And what you're saying is it's so endemic. This this, this autoimmune uh, really situation today that we're seeing, it's epidemic in numbers in our society. And that, that is what we're talking about when we're saying you've got to get to this cause. Is it a leaky gut? Is it these triggers that you have in your life? Whatever it might be that's driving chronic cell inflammation and dysfunction. All function comes from our cells, right? Right. Every function comes from our cells. So if a person's sitting out there and they have any kind of a dysfunction, meaning any symptom, even if they've been tagged with some disease, it is always traceable back to something gone wrong at that cell level. We've got to figure out what's driving that cell inflammation. That's that whole cause thing. Yeah. So do you think if if I go into my doctor's office, they say I have Hashimoto's, I've been diagnosed with it, I get put on medication, I'm not feeling any better. Is there any conversation I can have with my doctor? How do I express that to the doctor? Or is it time to go find a doctor that can get to the root cause? You know, there. I believe there is a time for that, Mindy. That, that, that they're just going to be. I I use the analogy of of like if you're a Christian and you go to get advice from a Muslim, right? You're 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 talking about two totally different schools of thought, yeah. right? How do you well bridge said, that? Yeah. How do you bridge that gap? Sometimes yeah. you're not going to bridge that gap, yeah, because they're coming with a different framework and understanding. Yep. And if, if that person's framework is like, I want to do this naturally, I want to be able to get off these medications, then a lot of times they're going to have to find a doctor who's going to be willing to entertain that notion. Because a lot of the doctors out there, if you ask them, they'll say, you can't reverse autoimmune disease. This is something you have for the rest of your life. Where I've got a clinic where I don't call it a clinic anymore, but we have a natural health program. We literally have thousands of people that have gone through it, and we have so many of them that have been able to get off their medications, reverse their disease by addressing the cause. The very diseases that their doctor would say is not possible to reverse. At what point do they say, what am I believing here? I, I keep seeing these people that are getting better, and I'm telling them they can't get better. At what point do they change their mindset? That's the frustration of it all. Yeah. Well, how do we help the person that does go on the medication and actually feels good from the medication. Did, did we solve their problem? If they have a thigh and let's stay on thyroid. Cause this is such a biggie. If they took the thyroid medication, whether it was for the, for an autoimmune condition or it was for a hypothyroid, they feel good. Then have they solved the problem? Well, I mean, I'm not, we, we would never say, right. That if you had a person who, let's say that they've been autoimmune, their thyroid has been under attack for four decades, right? And it's the size of a pea now. And it's not going to be functional from my experience at that point. And so there are going to be those people out there that have gone past that limit of time. There's limits to time and matter, right? Mm. If somebody has gone too far, too long, then they might need to rely on something medication wise. But can I tell you a story that just happened with us? Felicia and, I, Felicia and I were on a call last week. We do these Zoom calls every week with our clients. And, and the one lady, Felicia always asks, do any of you have any wins? And the one lady said, I have a win. And she said, I, I, I don't have a thyroid. She said, but I went to my doctor and my doctor told me that I needed to cut my thyroid medication in half. Uh, because now, and he he's all, the doctor was all on board yes. about what she was doing health wise, right? 
without a thyroid. She cut her thyroid medication in half because the medication she was taking, more of it was able to get into her cells because her cells were healing. Yes. Right. And so, yeah. So from that perspective, even if a person needs to be on medication, you can you can wind up taking a whole lot less. One, if I, I told you I'm a talker, so I have one one more thing. To tell you. <laughs> I my you mentioned type one diabetes. My I have a, a seven year old grandson Liam who is a type one diabetic. He was diagnosed when he was three, and it's an autoimmune disease, right? The the pancreas is being attacked. The beta cells in the pancreas being destroyed. Well, Liam's been three years into it now, and he goes in for his regular checkups with his doctors, and every single time. It's the same thing. What are you doing? Why is he, how is he able to take so little medication? And it's because my son-in-law and my daughter are doing all of the things that we're talking about here, understanding that the healthier Liam is, the more receptive his cells are to insulin, right? Most people are insulin resistant, right? They've heard of pre-diabetes or diabetes. That's called insulin resistance, person has all the insulin they need, their cells have just not, they're not hearing the message anymore. Well, Liam's cells are more receptive to insulin because of the way that he's being raised, the things that he's doing in his life. And so he needs less of that medication. Yeah, I love it. And that's so important because every doctor will tell you the more insulin you have to take, the more damage you're going to wind up suffering over a lifetime, right? Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. It's a, that was a, that's a great example. And we see with thyroid, we see the same thing. You start detoxing somebody, cleaning their gut up. And and I always warn them like the symptoms that got you into the thyroid medication, you may start experiencing those again, because we need to back you down out of that thyroid medication. So hundred percent agree. Okay. What about let's, what about cancer? Do you think that cancer is a death sentence? Uh, like we used to, when we heard the cancer word, we used to think that was it, but there are a lot of cases of cancer that are being overturned. What are your thoughts on cancer? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's the ultimate expression of cells that have gone awry, right? We talk, we're always talking about cell health. Well, this is the ultimate expression of cellular dysfunction. You're talking about cells that are so haywire, they're multiplying too quickly. They create tumors and the like. Um, but it's that same thing. There is a cause for this. People live their lives. They don't have cancer. Something changes inside of them. Now they become this breeding ground for cancer. How do we even know that? I've got a sister-in-law right now, right? You family that doesn't listen. <laughs> I've got a sister-in-law right now that's been diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, and they keep doing the conventional treatments. And I'm not telling people that there isn't a time and a place for that, but I'm saying that she goes in and she does it. And then she gets this clean bill of health. And then a little while later, something else shows up somewhere else. And now they're, now they're saying they found lesions in her brain and lesions in her lung. And it started off in her hip. And it's just like, at what point, at what point can, this is my frustration with it. My my sister, my wife's sister. And I'm talking to my wife saying, at what point is she going to understand that unless she changes that environment, it's just going to go from one thing to another thing. She needs to understand why it's developing in her. So when you do that, no, it's not a life sentence. How many people have you seen? How many people have I seen over my four decades that were given a death sentence? that are still alive today. I've got a friend, I've got a friend of mine 
Um, one of my best friends, his brother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, like last stage pancreatic cancer, almost a certain death sentence, right? Well, here, here he is six or seven years later and he's doing fine. Yeah, and it's because amazing. what he what he did in his life, he didn't accept the fact that it was a death sentence. He looked at it from like, what do I need to change that's going to change the path of this disease? And he yeah. did it. Yeah. Well, uh, one of my mentors was a man that uh, had five brain tumors and was given like weeks to live. And he completely reversed it within five years. All those tumors were gone. He never did any of the traditional treatment. He just did exactly what you're talking about. And one of the things that, that he taught me that was really helpful was when you look at cancer, you all a cancer cell is, is it once was a healthy cell and it turned into the cancer cell. So when you walk into the medical doctor's office and they say, we got to do chemo and radiation, what they're doing is they're attacking the cell that's already changed. They're going after the cancer cell. But your job is still to stop making cancer cells. You still have to change the environment in the body so that you don't keep making cancer cells. And this is why cancer comes back is because they kill it. They say it's gone away, but you didn't do what was needed to stop that healthy cell from turning back into a cancer cell. Yeah, that's so well said. It yeah. really, it's, I think it's helpful for people who have cancer just to see a bigger picture there. Yeah, I, I loved how you explained that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, now we have to talk about aging because I also want to debunk some myths around aging. So is a couple of questions I have for you on this. One, should your metabolism slow down as you age? And two, should you expect more health problems and more aches and pains as you age, is that a normal way for the body to break down and express itself? Well, first of all, your audience should know that I'm 95 years old. <laughs> oh. Amazing. You look incredible. <laughs> no, I'm actually 62 years old. Yeah, but, you still um, look incredible. <laughs> thanks. But no, like I, I, another, I, you, you, you ask these questions and it always, it seems to prompt something that I talk about all the time, which is like we, even when it comes to aging and obesity, right. Or getting, gaining weight. If you talk to the typical American, we've been kind of brainwashed to believe that when you get older, you get heavier, you get fatter. Right. Yep. And then you, then you look around at other parts of the world, even today, and you realize like maybe over in the Orient where people, when they get older, they get smaller. Yeah. They don't get bigger. Yeah. And, well and, that's, said. The, and that's the way our ancestors used to be. Look at pictures from back in the mid 1800s and even up to the early 1900s, people that were older, most of the time got smaller, right? Cause you're going to lose a little bit of muscle and, and there, there are some things that are going to happen with aging, but this idea that you're going to become overweight and you're going to become uh, disease prone, that's because of what you just talked about, which is this idea that you're, we are promoting this in the body over, over decades, which culminates as we get older because it's been festering for so long. Right. Right. From the, from the time that we're younger. And then it, yeah, it culminates when we're older and we're saying, Oh, it's because you're older. No, it's because it's been developing in you for so long. Right. And then that, that all, that's going to be the end result of that. So yeah. no, I don't look at it that way. 
Mindy, I had a guy, this was one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite stories. I had a guy come to me uh, when I was in chiropractic practice and he was 92 years old and he's a farmer and he came to me and he's this little, you know, thin guy, wiry type of guy. And, uh, and he says, he goes, doc, I hurt my back. He goes, I need you to give me an adjustment. And I'd never met the guy before. And I said, how'd you do that? And he said, putting a roof on my barn. And I said, you put a roof, you mean, I don't understand. He's 92 years old. Oh my I said, gosh. You put, I said, you put a roof on your barn. He said, well, who else was going to do it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing. Like, That's the guy right there. But yeah. like, you know what, if you what, the more I got to know him and look at how he led his life and yeah. realize that the things that he did allowed him to put a roof on at the age of 92. Amazing. And then we see a, a lot of other people, my wife and I talk about going to the movie theater and, and we'll sit at the top and we watch the older folks come in because we're old now and we go to the old folks time. Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> and they'll come in and they'll, they can barely walk up the steps. Right. And then they've got to shuffle their way into the thing. And I always tell my wife, that's a choice. It's sad, but it's a choice. Yeah. If they would have just done things differently, it doesn't have to wind up that way for yes. most of those people. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So if if I have a hip replacement, a knee replacement, I'm 55 years old, I walk into my doctor's office and they say, yeah, your knee's pretty bone on bone, you're going to need to replace it. And I get it replaced again. What was the knee trying to tell me? Was there something there? Is it normal for body parts to have to get replaced as we age? No, I, I think, I mean, as a chiropractor, I mean, we understand this even more, right? The fact that alignment of the bones is, is going to be potentially part of that too, yeah. that you can have fallen arches and you can have things in your body from a mechanical standpoint, that's going to create undue stress, wear and tear, and you can wind up with that. But I'll tell you, I had a lady that worked for me, her name's Tammy and I'm, I'm at the gym working out and she's walking, she's hobbling out. I, she had, hadn't been working me for, for a long time. And I said, Tammy, and she came over and we started talking. I said, why are you, why are you limping? She's like, oh, Bill, she goes, I need to go get my knee replaced. And I said, Tammy, how long did you work with me? And I, anyway, I said, come into the office. We, she came into the office that week, put her on an anti-inflammatory diet. And then within 10 days, no pain, still had bone on bone, mm -hmm. still had bone on bone that didn't disappear, but it was the amount of inflammation that mm -hmm. accompanies that bone on bone. Give yeah. me somebody who's bone on bone. And without any inflammation, and I'll tell you, that person's generally going to remain functional. But when you combine bone on bone with an inflammation producing diet, and you've got all of this inflammation around that, now you're talking about disability. Now you're talking about unrelenting pain. And I yeah. saw that with my own pastor. He fell off a truck when we were moving him. And he had never had neck problems, but he hit his head on the cement when he fell off the truck, took x-rays of his neck, bone on bone on bone on bone. And I said, Woody, I said, how you've never had any neck pain. He said, I've never had a lick of neck pain until he got inflammation in there from the injury. And now all of a sudden he became disabled. Right. So, so, so would you say then the most important question we could ask when a chronic condition shows up is why? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the why. That's what we tell people. If your doctor's not asking the why, then at best, all they're doing is treating symptoms. So when they give us something for the symptoms, we could say, okay, that's a temporary crutch. 
but I also want to know why this condition happened. And when the doctor says it's your genetics, it's your age, uh, I don't know, the body just breaks down. These are times that we need to go searching for answers. Is that I want to give people sort of a, a structure in which they can approach what we're talking about the next time they get a scary diagnosis. How do we empower them? Would you yeah, say I, that the, that's the way to look at this? It, it, it's the only way to look at it because, you know, I mentioned that if the doctor is not asking why, but that patient, it has to start with them. Yeah. They have to be inquisitive enough to just say to themselves, you know, I understand that I might have degenerative joint disease or whatever it might be, right? But what's causing yeah. my underlying issues? And yeah. if, you can, if you can develop that mindset, it's going to lead you to different places, I promise you, versus just accepting this idea that you're old or that you have bad genes. We know that, for instance, genes, for the people listening now out there, so many of the things that we thought were genetic are epigenetic, yes. meaning above the gene. We know now the bad genes, yeah, they can be turned on, but there's things that we can do in our lives to turn them off yeah. too. Yeah. So that, yeah, when you start thinking from that perspective, it'll, it'll take you to a different place. Yeah. Do you think we're in a new phase of healthcare where instead of going to one doctor for all the answers, we're at a place where we need a tribe of healthcare practitioners around us that support us in different ways that we've gotten out of this moment of, I have one, one healthcare God I, that I take advice from, and I need a variety of people to learn from. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you, you you're a lot younger than me, but there was a guy in chiropractic named Reggie Gold. I know him. I I've yeah. heard him. I heard him speak. Me too. Yeah, yeah. live. And, and Reggie always talked about how we're we're moving in medicine more towards this specialization, right? Where we yeah. have this specialist that we go to, and he said they know more and more about less and less. Eventually, they're going they're going to know everything there is to know about nothing at all. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that that's where we are today. And I, I, I agree with you that we need people that are going to really, truly know what, what their craft is, right? What is their, what, what is it that they specialize in? And when we're talking about it from a health perspective, that's the difference. When you're talking about it from a health perspective, there's always going to be that underlying need from the doctor inquisitiveness asking why, why does Mary have her hair falling out? All the things I mentioned before, when you can address that, why that's going to be your first giant step in turning that situation around versus just accepting it and then managing it, which is what we do, right? We just accept this is your lot in life. This is the way you're going to be. Let's just manage it the best we can. And I get that's, that's so frustrating to me when I know we have a body that knows how to heal. When you have a, that, that's why I say it's the ace in the hole. When you have a body that's feverishly attempting to fix that problem, you start removing those roadblocks. You create an environment in the body that's anti-inflammatory. You give the body what it needs in terms of cell healing. And that's when we see these things that supposedly can't be fixed, be fixed. Woo! Mic drop! That was awesome. I I am 100% in alignment with you. And that's what fires me up too, is to give people power back because they have just handed it over and accepted mediocrity when it comes to their health. And you do not have to do that anymore. So boom, that was so well said. Thank you. So, okay, I'm going to end it on this. Uh, our, we're in season three of the Resetter podcast, and we are trying to spread the word of gratitude. 
I really strongly believe in my own life that I spend about 20 minutes every morning just in gratitude, listening to music, thinking of all the things in my life that I just feel blessed to have, people I ha feel blessed to be around. So let me start off by asking you, what, do you have a gratitude practice? Is there something that you do on a daily basis to anchor you to the state of gratitude? Yeah, we teach this actually. We talk about the science of thinking, right? And it's not just the raw, raw, feel good stuff, but there really is a science to getting well. The mind we talk about that, and I think most people can, can identify with this, Mindy, that the things that we think, I used to follow a guy called Zig Ziglar and he talked about stinking thinking. Yep. And, you know, we, when we start appreciate, when we, you talk about gratitude, I think something that is very close to that is forgiveness, right? Mm. That I think a lot of times people need to get out of this bitterness and they yes. need to start forgiveness. That is a giant step in helping people turn their health around. But just being grateful for what we have in the situation that we're in. And there's always something good that you can find Agreed. in your situation, right? And when you focus on that, and the Bible talks about thinking about edifying things, thinking about good things and not focusing on the bad things. Yeah, it is a major part of what we do. And I believe, and we, and we have a, a young lady named Stephanie, who is our mind success coach, if you will. And one testimonial after another, the people who come to us who have never before in their life ever thought about their physical health as it relates to their mental health and how Stephanie can is directing them to a different way of thinking and how it's, a, it's even affecting them physically, allowing them to get yep. better. No doubt about it. And to some people, it's the reason why they're not better. Because yep. they have they have that lack of, of gratitude. They have that bitterness, whatever it might be. We're all prone to it. We're all yes. prone to it. We're human beings, right? But we need to work on our mind like we work on our physical body too. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Last question. So with that in mind, what is one thing that you're incredibly grateful for today? I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that way back in the day, Way back in the day, I had a, a friend of mine who was going to chiropractic. This is why I am where I am today. I had a friend of mine. I was going to be a psychologist. You can believe that. I and, believe it. After talking yeah. to you today, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, it was such a, a by chance type situation. I said, Tommy, what are you, you going to do for school? He said, I'm going to chiropractic college. I didn't even know what a chiropractor was. I had no idea. And I said to him, what's a chiropractor? And he explained it to me. And would you believe shortly after that, I was running to first base. To, to, I played baseball in high school. And I heard something pop in my neck and I got an instant headache. And I went to the medical doctor and they told me I had a sinus infection, gave me antibiotics, didn't help. Went to another medical doctor. They told me I had an ear infection. Every time I'd exert myself, I'd get a headache. And then I went to the chiropractor. I'd never heard of one before, but because Tommy had mentioned that to me, I searched out, searched out a chiropractor. He gave me one neck adjustment and everything disappeared. And that was the, that was the beginning of the story for me right there. So when I talk about, when I talk about gratitude, that's changed my entire life, Mindy, my children, I don't even know. Oh, I get emotional thinking about it. I don't know where my, my grandson would be if he did it. it, it my type one diabetic grandson, right? 
uh, where would they be in my, the way my children live their lives today? And it's all because some guy told me about this thing called chiro- being a chiropractor. Yeah. And I can, go, I can talk about it forever, yeah. but man, I, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Bill, this was incredible. I just thank you for letting me geek out on health philosophy and root cause with you. You know, like you, I just am on a mission to really help people see their health differently. So how do people find you if they want to dive into the work you're doing? So they can go to drbillcole.com. That's my website. Or they can find uh, me on Facebook and Instagram just by looking up Dr. Bill Cole. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, keep up the great work you're doing. Keep being as opinionated as you are. <laughs> and and don't, shr- don't shrink anymore because you look amazing. But Thank I'm you. I'm thinking I can only see you from the waist up, but I'm thinking you may be at your goal weight. So Thanks, Mindy. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.